Welcome in, everybody. It is the Thursday edition. Parker is still off the rest of the week. We got the Drake, Drake Dykin running the show for us. Appreciate Drake's efforts and back with us again today for day number two before he heads off uh, to training camp with the Seattle Sea Dragons. His former Sooner linebacker, Jordan Evans. Uh, you killed it yesterday. Are you ready uh, to knock it out of the park again? Of course. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk, of course, mainly Sooner football today. We're going to mix in some basketball. We do have a guest at 135. Caden McFarland is going to join us. We'll talk Oklahoma football, and we'll talk about what's going on at Oklahoma State as well because, man, the Cowboys have lost seven starters and 16 scholarship players to the portal. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear, but we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit here on Steel Man and Thune. Our opening hour, as always, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. There's some portal news to get to. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Plus, of course, uh, your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Let's start out talking Sooner basketball. Another tough L for the Sooners. They lost that close game to Texas, and now they lose to Iowa State by three points last night. 63-60 to was the final at the LNC last night. The Sooners have played two home games in the league, and they've dropped both. Man, this is a tough conference. There aren't any gimme putts in this conference at all. These are all difficult. And you need to win your home games. I mean, Oklahoma, the way they're playing right now, and I think they're a pretty pretty good basketball team. Considering the league they're in, I think they have a really good coach in Porter Moser. But they are in a league that is extremely difficult. The best in college basketball, as you would imagine last night. Porter Moser a little bit uh, frustrated, of course. Sooners couldn't make the plays down the stretch. Here is Porter talking about trying to motivate this team right now. Motivation through the frustration. It's got to start with me. If I look frustrated, all right, um, they're going to be. So it starts with me. And uh, the only thing I know how to do is stay up all night watching Texas Tech and trying to figure out how to beat Texas Tech and come in tomorrow with a great game plan, with an energy level. Um, it's like, it's, like I said, I keep having that word, the inch, that Al Pacino movie. Um, if we're sitting here and it was 25 points both games, we're, we're talking about possessions. You know, you're, you're, we're, we're, we're close. Um, but that's disappointing to be close. I'm not in this to be close. So frustration, yeah, they're hurt. They're hurt. But, um, you know, it's my job, my staff's job, to walk in that locker room and infuse belief and energy. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. There you go. So next up for Oklahoma in Lubbock, coming up Saturday night, 6 o'clock, versus the Red Raiders on ESPN+. Plus. Then you have to go to Kansas where you haven't won in, uh, you know, what is it, like 33, 34 years, I think, for the Sooners in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse. You have Kansas next Tuesday. You're a hoops guy. We've been talking about this, and one of the uh, things that we've been talking about is why people aren't coming to OU basketball games. And I've always said, there. well, there are two things right now that are sure things. They're going to show up to watch Oklahoma play football, and they are going to show up to watch Patty Gasso's softball team. Other than that, man, you better have a a winning team that's on a roll or a great player, Buddy Heald, Trey Young, Blake Griffin, Wayman Tisdale. There are a lot of challenges at the Lloyd Noble Center. It's too big. It's too cavernous. It's too old. It sucks. It's horrible trying to get there. Highway 9, the worst highway in America. What's your take on why uh, the Sooners don't get more fans uh, for basketball? Yeah, I think like you said, man, it's about 
maybe the wins. And I know when I was in college, when we had uh, they went to the Final Four or was it Final Four? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. went with Buddy Hill's team. I mean, we used to be there a lot and had a great time. So players and production is what attract. Um, we always said that it would have been pretty dope to have a stadium that was kind of like some of the other powerhouses when it comes to basketball, where it wasn't huge, it was stacked on top of people, and it was really trying to attract students. Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke. Right. So have it even more in the central campus, like how the football stadium is right there, and make it where people go there and can walk to the games, and maybe that'll attract more because it needs to become more of like how – Football attracts people just as an event. Maybe basketball can find a way to do the same because I know as a player the crowd means a lot and it helps. And, you know, it definitely can help OU basketball with their wins. Yeah, I I feel bad for Porter Moser because I think he's a heck of a basketball coach. And I think if you don't get – if there's no new arena down the road, there's not going to be a Porter Moser here either. Mm. You know, that's that's what I'm thinking. And I I think the guy can coach coach it up, no doubt. But – you know, you're in a league right now where you got to show up every single night. You're already behind the eight ball by dropping two home games, and you've got to go try and make those up on the road. And they're, you know, where are the easy games? Maybe, maybe Stillwater. It's not going to be easy. Right. But maybe Morgantown, Oklahoma seems to play well there. I mean, it's just a great basketball league right now. You know, what they're talking about, Jordan, is the in the northwest part of uh, Norman now, over in that newer area. That's where there's talk of building a new arena. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things you talked about, student access wouldn't be great. Right. But you would have an easier way to get to the arena, a lot of restaurants there where you could make it an event. Because part of the allure of college football, which makes it so great, is it's an all-day event for people. Right. You know, they show up with their friends. They have a tailgate before, afterwards. Some of those tailgaters in Norman, they have their tailgate spot they pro- some of them don't even go to the game. Mm-hmm. They just have their screen set up with a little satellite dish and watch the game. So you really do have to make it an event, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and putting in that area will make it an event because it has so many other things over there that people can do before and or prior to the game. So, yeah, that's cool. It just depends on what your take on uh, whether the students are going to get there or not. Yeah. And uh, hearing from Porter Moser, that was our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central has clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a, a new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard, these full-service clinics. They treat sports uh, medicine injuries, orthopedic injuries, and they are the very best at Ortho Central. That was our Ortho Central clip of the day. For those of us who were not uh, here yesterday, for those listeners who weren't here, update us on your situation. Uh, obviously, uh, with the Sooners through 2016, five years in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals, you had a knee injury, uh, and now you're you're trying, you know, you're on the road back trying to get to the NFL, and you're trying to do that through the XFL with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Correct. Yes, sir. Head out Saturday. Uh, training camp starts up on Sunday, and if I'm not mistaken, I think our first game is, I thought I saw February 19th. Sunday night versus the D.C. Defenders, if that's what they're called. So there you go. I'm excited about that. Now, you were going to be playing for Jim Haslett, who was once the uh, Saints head coach, and you knew him through Cincinnati, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he was my linebacker coach my first two years there. And there was a little battle between Jim Haslett and Bob Stoops yeah, for that's, you? that's what I was told. There might have been a little, <laughs> hey, man, don't touch him, I'm going to get him. So, yeah, has has fought for him, so I was grateful for that, and I've been grateful if uh, Bob did the same. All right, I want to talk a little bit about uh, early enrollees coming into Oklahoma. Right. And you've got three, all three of the five stars are coming in. Uh, Jackson Arnold, P.J. Atabare, uh, Peyton Bowen are coming in. 
along with Kendall Dolby, the JUCO defensive back, Jaquaze Petaway, Caden Green, Josiah Wagner, Caleb Hicks, and Dalen Smothers, Derek LeBlanc, Champ Sanders, Macari Vickers, Eric McCarty, Phil Pachati, all coming in early to go through workouts. They can work out now and go through spring, obviously. That's an advantage over those who can't. Like a guy right. like Jacoby Johnson from Mustang is going to continue to play basketball and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw last year Javante Barnes got in early, mm-hmm. and Gavin Sawchuck did not get in early. Right. Now, eventually we saw what Sawchuck could do, obviously, Correct. in the Florida State game. But uh, how big of a wake-up call is it going to be for these guys, and what does that wake-up call involve? Uh, there's two things. Um those guys coming in early are going to have a, a faster role than most people might assume for them. So those guys coming in are going to be going through spring ball and all the spring training, and they might find themselves in training camp actually fighting for a, a significant role. Right. Uh, but the first thing that they're going to get hit with is Schmitty. <laughs> these guys are in high school. They haven't been working out how Schmitty is, you know, works these guys out. So uh, starting here in a few weeks, whenever they get rolling with uh, this offseason training, uh, that's going to be their wake-up call, and it's going to be a big old uppercut to the chin. I bet. Now, did you get in early? I'm trying to remember. No, sir. I actually ran track. So I that's was, right. Yeah, yeah I, that's I right. I enjoyed my senior year. Now, okay, so the Schmitty wake-up call, clearly we're talking about strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. obviously, and Sooner fans were so pumped up to have Jerry Schmidt coming back. They love Jerry Schmidt. But more specifically, what is this going to involve? Where are they going to be there the first few days, first couple of weeks, and go, oh, my gosh, I didn't expect this? Yeah, the warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to start in the warm-up. I've seen guys not make it through the warm-up and was out for the rest of the entire workout. And the warm-up involves? It's just a whole bunch of calisthenics, running. There's maybe core. I mean, it's just it literally is a warm-up, lift, and then conditioning. And the warm-up is a mix of almost everything. You run to the weight room lift a lot, heavy weights, heavy reps, and then go do some more conditioning and then finish it with some more core. It's just, I mean, I just know it was a lot. And my 8-5 and five season, my sophomore after my sophomore year, that was one of the hardest offseasons I've ever had with Schmitty. And coming off a 6-7 and seven season, I'm pretty sure they're going to get that same thing. <laughs> All right. So what was your – did you make it through your first one? Oh, I made it through, but I struggled every time. Yeah. <laughs> so, But you saw guys that literally couldn't make it through. Yes. Like on the ground, passed out, not making no no more. I won't forget. I think at that time I was working out at the uh, like afternoon group, and I remember coming in, and Eric Stryker was in the breakfast room, and he was just shaking his head, and I was like, "Strike, you good?" He was like, "But that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and had me so <laughs> nervous for the rest of the day, and finally went in there and yeah, died as well." So, you know, I I think that. You probably think you're at Norman North, and you probably think, man, I work out. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. in shape. Right. I'm a phenomenal athlete. I got this. But it completely is a a new experience. Even for some of those guys who are in good shape, what they right. consider is tip, tip-top shape, mm-hmm. still it's tough to get through. For sure. And you got to add the fact that when you're in high school, you're probably the fastest kid on the team. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one of the strongest. Well, in college, everyone's going to be like that, too. So there's a competitive aspect of it as well because you're competing the whole time. And, you know, Schmitty knows how to test limits. Um, if they got to run those 300-yard shuttles or whatever it was, Schmitty used to give us a time, and we'd have, like, 30 yards, six touches. And then it will go to 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards. But the more yards added, the less time it would be to it, which didn't make sense, but you had to make it. And if you didn't, you would have to keep running. Wow. 
All right, Jordan Evans is back with us, former Sooner linebacker, former Norman North Timberwolf, former Cincinnati Bengals, soon to be a member of the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons. Well, he's on the roster already, but he's going to camp uh, to play again uh, in this league. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting. This league, again, some good money behind it, the Rocks behind it, Dwayne Johnson. And uh, I think people will be pumped up to see this level of football coming up. All right, break time right here, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thanks again to our friend Tim Lasher, Tim's company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. How reliable was Tim Lasher back in the day? Bedlam, Lincoln, Nebraska, splitting the uprights every single time in those big field goals. His company's just as clutch. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. All right, we'll be right back. Get to the text line next here on The Ref. Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune. Parker is off the rest of the week. We uh, were privileged to have Jordan Evans back with us for another day. He was with us yesterday. If you missed yesterday, he, he knocked it out of the park. And I fully believe he's going to do it again today. All right. Uh, we talked about this briefly yesterday. But, again, for those who may have not caught yesterday, your take on NIL and the portal. You just missed the NIL era. There are some people who think, man, this is such a slippery slope. I don't know what college football is going to look like in five years. They're, they're the panickers out there as to what's going on. And then there are those who think, you know what, it's different, but this stuff will sort itself out eventually. What side do you fall on right now? That is different, but it'll sort itself out. I think the panickers is just because it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good that these kids are getting opportunities to get paid off their name, image, and likeness. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad those guys are getting those opportunities, just as long as, you know, the NCAA can find some form of, you know, platform for where they are not getting these kids exploited and used and then it'll be used for a good thing yeah you look at a&m's class uh before this one the Mm -hmm. one that nick saban was railing on you know saying a&m bought everybody in that class and jimbo came back and went back in nick saban but they had eight five stars in that class you know a lot of nil dollars involved Uh, And now we're seeing an exodus from Texas A&M. And the thought process was you can't build chemistry and a lot of cohesion in a locker room if you're basing your culture, at least a lot of your culture, on NIL. You buy that? No, for sure. I mean, I just feel like as a business person, it'd be kind of dumb to invest these quote-unquote millions of dollars to some players that might not even pan out. I think a lot of that stuff that some of those schools are offering is kind of like, you know, you could get this, but it's not truly there. Some of those guys that are top, top recruits might get it, but I think it's more about the opportunity they can give you. Like, hey, if you come to OU, we have a very huge fan base. We have a lot of boosters that can give you these opportunities that if you know you make a name for yourself on the field, that you'll be able to you know, be well taken care of while you're here. Yeah, and it's interesting because initially this is not about inducing players to come sign with you, right? right? It's not pay-for-play or getting getting players on campus, but I think there's a way around that where you have collectives that say, yeah, if you're here, you know, we, we get this collective. Here's yes. how much you, you should expect to get, that kind of thing. So, I don't know. The NCAA has been so uh, broken down, and I think they're so afraid of lawsuits right now. I don't know how much they can do yeah. to try and police this. So, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting, and like I said, I hope it gets handled where, you know, both sides of the party can benefit from it. Yeah, and we talked about, and I think most people in our audience know this, what it's like to be a full-time student and a full-time football player, because you are a full-time football player. Uh, One more time, for those who may have not heard yesterday, what your day 
was like, your average day as a football player and student at OU? Yeah, 545 workouts, uh, mandatory breakfast, and you got to get a class. By the way, we had class checkers, so if you didn't make it, you would get rolled up. Uh, class to about 10, 11, then you had a, a, a mandatory study hall, got to get a lunch in, meetings and practice go from 1 to about 6, mandatory dinner, and then you had mandatory tutoring sessions that are 7 and 8 o'clock. So I'm not done till right around 9, and then I'm finally getting back to my dorm room. Yeah, so that is, what is about a 16-hour day, right. pretty much, mm-hmm. and then you get as much sleep as you can, and it starts all, starts over, all again. over again. And I know there's some people out there, oh, well, they got a scholarship in this, but I mean, it's it's... Even for top-flight athletes and guys who are very regimented and disciplined, that's that's not easy. But to that statement, I had mentioned this before when people were like, well, oh, he got a scholarship. Well, I got that scholarship from the work I did before I even got to the university. You earned it. I earned it beforehand, and now I'm paying it off by what I'm giving to the university. So I earned that scholarship by the time I was a senior in high school. So when I earned my scholarship from the University of Oklahoma, all the work that I put in since I was in the third grade doing push-ups before school right. and all the stuff that I did in high school is what got me to get that scholarship. And now I'm paying it off, and that's what's going to put me into the NFL. That's what, that was my mindset when I was there. Yeah, I think that's the right mindset. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's get to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line and uh, see what people are talking about. Uh, the one possession was the blown call when the ball went behind the backboard, hit the standard, no call, they scored two points. Yeah. You know, uh, certainly didn't look like a good call at all. It was it, They definitely missed it. Porter Moser talked about it. Um, but, man, frustrating for Oklahoma because you need to protect your home court. And, look, Oklahoma in this league, they're not good enough to win every game on their home court. But you've got to get above 500 on your home court in this league because it's going to be very challenging. And uh, when you talk about, um, I, oh, you could go 4-14 four and 14 in the league, something like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is by the thinnest of margins in the Big 12 as it stands. And, you know, having blown calls like that, that's going to happen at home. That's going to happen on the road. And there's going to be blown calls for the other team that are going to go your way as well. I mean, you look at that last inbounds play that Iowa State wasn't able to get in that it resulted in a turnover. Probably could have called a foul there from the refs. Iowa State certainly wanted it. You got the benefit of that and weren't able to capitalize it there either. So, yeah, yeah, it it works both ways. Yes, that was a blown call, but blown calls in basketball, it happens. There's at least one or two per game, and sometimes they go your way, sometimes they don't. And you know what? A lot of times those calls go your way a lot more whenever you've got eight to 10,000 people behind you that are screaming. That helps, yes. I I don't know. The announced crowd was what? A little over 4,000, I believe. Yeah, and and honestly, it felt smaller than that total being in the arena last night. Yeah, I think somebody told me maybe and, maybe 3,000. And that's following up a great attendance that they had for Texas on Saturday. So you're, you're capable of getting fans in the stands. I think that there are lots of other factors that played into it. Plank talked quite a bit about how it's a Wednesday night, and Wednesday nights, especially in the state of Oklahoma, it's very big for churches and their midweek services that they do, and maybe that's a factor for the University of Oklahoma. But there's other schools across America that have big church crowds that are having to go to their services, and they're still able to draw a crowd on yeah. a Wednesday night. So you know, and it's it's not a a irredeemable excuse. 
No, and totally look, I, I can remember when Billy Ball was here, and they were up in the top five in the country, and they had, you know, sold-out crowds. The, Can- the Kansas-Missouri games with Stacey King and Mookie yeah. Blaylock, all of those games. And before that, when they played Vegas or Georgia Tech or NC State, somebody like that, they they had sell-out crowds. But there are also – I was down there on the floor at that time, you know, and thinking, man, there's only like seven grand here. This is the number five team in the country. So – OU basketball has always been challenged with the crowds, and, you know, I've heard every excuse in the books. They're just fair-weather basketball fans. There's a core of really good Sooner basketball fans, but it's a small core. Other than that, you better be, like, top ten in the country, or, like I said, have Blake, have Wayman Tisdale, have Trey Young, have Buddy Heald, and uh, maybe Guns N' Roses comes out and does the halftime show. Then you might sell out. Yeah, and I I know that's an old reference, but you know what I'm saying. Absolutely, but somebody mentioned on the text line, even with those guys in the stadium and the arena, Still you didn't sell seats. out every single That's game. Right. Now, for your bigger games, like I vividly remember like Michael Beasley against Blake Griffin, Kansas State against Oklahoma. That game was packed. Michael Beasley went off for 42 points that night. I remember Davidson coming to town with Steph Curry yeah, and I Blake Griffin. Katie and Russ were Katie, there. Russ, Jeff Green were all on the sidelines. That house was absolutely packed whenever it's a good oklahoma team and good kansas team in town that is a factor in there's a good portion of that that are ku fans but still really good crowds it's just that whenever you have the lower rung midweek games even in conference those aren't necessarily greatly attended yeah well, it's an uphill climb, man, for this team. You start out 0-2 in the league and lose at home, and both those games you could have won. And I, you can see the frustration, certainly hear it in Porter Moser's postgame comments that they've been so close. But, uh, you know, it's, Lincoln Riley yeah. said that a lot. But I think with Porter Moser, people let that one pass for now. Yeah, and it's a really good women's basketball team that fans aren't attending the games for either. Now, women's basketball, it's been a problem for a much longer time as far as fans coming to the LNC, right? But this is a very fun OU women's basketball team that we have Mm -hmm. this year, and people still aren't going to see them either. So it's not necessarily quality of play that is the determining factor here either. No, it's not. Jenny Baranchek's done an unbelievable job, and I think that Porter is an excellent coach, but, man, he's in a league, man, like the old heavyweight division when you had Joe Frazier and Ali and Ken Norton and all those guys that were really good. All right, break time right here. We're with Jordan Evans again, former Sooner linebacker, and uh, good to have him in studio with us again. We'll get back to more texts when we get back, 405 651 3439 and the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We can play this into every single break. So good. Break time right here. We're coming back on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. We're back on the ref Thursday edition. Mike Steely along with Jordan Evans. We got the uh, Drake, Drake Dykin running the show for us over there at Mission Control. Hour number one presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do great work for you. Heating and air work is their specialty. 405-579-3113. That is 405-579-3113. All right. um, Transfer portal for Oklahoma. You know, the Sooners have already got Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame, Trace Ford from Oklahoma State, Deshaun McCullough from Indiana, Austin Stogner coming back from South Carolina, Luke Elzinga, the punter from Central Michigan, two-time first-team All-Mac selection, and they also have Reggie Pearson Jr., the safety coming in from Texas Tech. 
Uh, in town today, you have uh, Tyrone Broden, the 6'5", wide receiver from Bowling Green. You have offensive lineman Caleb Schaefer from Miami of Ohio uh, in town today. And Matthew Lee, center, uh, you know, that's familiar with Dylan Gabriel from his time at UCF, also in town today. Yesterday, visits from defensive lineman Devon Sears from Texas State and offensive lineman Walter Rouse from Stanford. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Might be uh, looking for some commitments to come down uh, or some announcements for Oklahoma from all those names, Tyrone Broden, Caleb Schaefer, Matthew Lee, Devon Sears, or Walter Rouse. So, in uh, the Sooners, again, wide receiver. I mean, a lot of this depends on Marvin Mims' decision whether he's coming back or not. Any gut feeling on what's going to happen with Marvin Mims? Um, not. I really don't know. I I would assume – if I'm him, he might leave. I mean, but at the same time, he's one of those guys I think if he came back, he could he could raise his draft stock even more. Right. And here's the deal on that stuff. You never know, you know, what a family situation's like, uh, why a guy might choose to go early. And it, it, Marvin Mims is, is going to be an NFL player. Correct. There's no doubt. The question is, where is he going to fall? He's got his draft card. I'm hearing like third round. Uh, on Marvin Mims, and and by Marvin Mims standards, he had a very inconsistent year, mm-hmm. made some great plays, and he also struggled a little right. bit. That's why I said I think if he was to come back, he can definitely raise his draft stock, but he might be, you know, okay with the third, fourth round grade. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Mims uh, is the question mark. Uh, Jalil Farouk looks like he's become a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only catching the ball, but running the ball. Yeah, he's a he's an all around football player. You could tell he just kind of one of those guys that you can kind of line up anywhere. He kind of gives you that feel of what you see in the NFL with like a Debo Samuel where he can yeah. you know, line up in the backfield Good comparison. and, like and play receiver. How about what Drake Stoops has done? And he's coming back for a sixth year. I yeah. mean, I think we all kind of thought at first, yeah, man, good high school player, no doubt. He's a Stoops. He's going to be tough. You know, he's going to work hard and do and say the right things. But how much is he going to play at Oklahoma? And he's become a huge factor. Right, yeah, very proud of Drake. I mean, I thought he was a great player in high school. Obviously, he's from I. Right. From my high school over there in Norman North, so I actually saw him hands on how he used to work very hard during the off season and at the Norman North facilities and stuff. And seeing what he did at OU, I mean, he had a big name on his back, and a lot of people were going to probably try to hold that against him. Like, oh, he's only no, nah, he worked for everything he got, and you see what kind of players because his production on the field. I had a, a good story about the uh, the Stoops brothers. The uh, used to do a show. Jim Traber and I did a show called The Locker Room on Sunday nights, and we would record it at the studio over at OU. And Bob came out with Carol, and uh, Drake and Isaac came out. Man, they must have been, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old, something like that, I think, at the time. And Bob went in, was shaking hands with people, and I think Carol went out, you know, to, to the restroom or back to the vehicle or whatever. So they were in there by themselves. At, and we were in a conference room, and the Stoops boys just started their own wrestling event, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And there was one, I can't remember which one, that basically took the other one from the back of the head and slammed his head <laughs> into the table, and it was on. you got to ask Drake and Isaac. I'm sure they'll both yeah. say it was the other one. So, anyway, uh, we, we had our furniture on the set for the show we were doing was provided by Mr. Roberts, Mr. Robert, which has been over on Main Street. I, I don't, it's not there anymore, but for years and years and years. Or is it there? I can't remember. Anyway, they provided the furniture. So, I was talking to the guy who was there at the time. I won't mention his name because he told me the story. I said, man, the, the Stoops kids were in there. Just It was the Royal Rumble, man. It was on. It was kind of frightening. I mm-hmm. mean, this was real out-and-out violence going on. But uh, he goes, man, I got a story for you. At Bob's old place, before they moved into the new mansion, 
out there. He said, we had to deliver furniture out there one time. And uh, so obviously they were getting their furniture delivered by Mr. Robert. And he, I get a call from my crew back, you know, at the store. And they said, we get a problem out here at the Stoops house. And he said, well, what's the problem? You're just making it a delivery. He goes, yes, while we're bringing in the furniture, the two kids are beating up out of us. <laughs> Yeah. So apparently, you know, they were trying to bring in the sofa while the two Stoops boys were pounding on him, you mm-hmm. know, and trying to, you know, get another wrestling match going. But I, I said, well, what did you tell him? I said, it's it's Bob Stoops. Just let it happen. Right. You know, so anyway, so you knew they, they had to grow up tough. Did you ever expect George Kittle to develop into what he's become? You know, that was that was a shock. I mean, I never I, mean, I played against him his right. senior year and I was a junior. He was a receiver. Yeah. I mean, he was like a tall, lanky yeah. dude. Um, but when we were going through the draft process together, I know I reached out to him and just kind of like congratulate him because he had a lot of, you know, buzz around his name. And it just was an example that, hey, in college, he was a very, you know, he had a, he had his role and he did it well enough. And then when he got to the league, he flourished. And so I'm very proud of him, and of course, because, you know, I claim him, even though he kind of bounced around, but I claim that he's a Norman kid. Yeah. he Well, yeah, Norman Tiger, obviously, and you were a Timberwolf. But I remember – when you saw his high school highlights, like, this guy's a good player, but he's so big, man. He's just making these catches over everybody else. But he's he's a monster Monster. There, an mm-hmm. absolute monster. Which of those tight ends do you think are the best? Do you like like Kelsey? Or would you take Kittle? Is there anyone that stands out to you more than anybody else? It's, to me, the top three. I'm going with Kelsey at one, Kittle at two, and then probably Mark Andrews at three. Yeah, Mark Andrews had a great career. Right. I think those career. guys are – it's just the the best thing about Kittle, though, out of all of them, I think he's the most well-rounded because it don't matter who you are, he'll block you. And he does a very job, good job at that. He's a mismatch. But Kelsey's just, you know, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. You know, it's interesting because uh, Kittle and Kelsey seem to be like wild men. You right. Know? And Mark Andrews is a lot more reserved. reserved. He was a great player at OU. You know, he's overcome, you know, dealing with diabetes mm-hmm. to make it to this level and be a several-time pro bowler. Uh, over and over again, very impressive. But yeah, George Kittle to me, every time I see him play, I mean, I, I remember the Norman High highlights, thinking, yeah, this kid's good. And then he went to Iowa, had a good career there. Obviously, his dad had roots there, right. uh, and uh, obviously was friends with with Bob from their days. But he is, uh, I mean, we're talking about a future Hall of Famer, yes. right there in uh, George Kittle. All right, uh, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, that is the place to be if you want to go to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Riverwind can get you there. They have a great promotion happening right now called the Showdown in the in the Desert. What you have to do is play on specific electronic gaming machines out there at Riverwind, all right? They will point you in the right direction, walk around the gaming floor. If, you, uh, if you're looking for those machines, they'll have signage all around them. These are the machines you have to play for the Showdown in the Desert promotion. What you need to do is just play with that wild card, rack up as many points as you can, then they will tally all the points from everyone who's played with their wild card on those machines January 13th. If you're in the top five in points, you are going to win one of the five trips to the Super Bowl out in Phoenix, all right? You're going to get game tickets, airfare, hotel accommodations, ground transportation, and $1,000 in cash. It's another big-time promotion from the, uh, the best at promotions in the casino business here in the metro area, the one and only Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. Let's break right here. We'll get right back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line next. Mike Steely, along with Jordan Evans in studio with us again, and the one and only, the Drake, Drake Dykin. Keep it right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. 
Mike Steely, no Parker Thune for the rest of the week. Parker did come on with us uh, for one day this week from Orlando. Sooners again in the Under Armour All-American game. You had, uh, well, you had a lot. You had Jackson Arnold. You had P.J. Atabare. You had Jaquez Petaway, Caden Green, Jacoby Johnson, Peyton Bowen, Lewis Carter. Uh, in San Antonio this weekend, you will have Sammy Elmasigo, Joshua Bates, Josiah Wagner, and uh, Macari Vickers in San Antonio. Uh, there's one from the 405 that says, Great job, Jordan. Very knowledgeable, and your personality shines. Always proud of my favorite grandson. Shout out to my grandmother, but I got to say one thing. I'm your only grandson, Grams, so. Well, you're still. Uh, I would like for her to say favorite grandchild, so you, I get a little. You got, <laughs> you, got, you got the shout out at least, right? Yes. You got the shout out. That's awesome. Uh, you were telling me, too, because we, we have talked about how hard it is, you know, for uh, particularly when you're playing a Power 5 school in a blue blood like Oklahoma to have a full-time class schedule. And football's a full-time job, too. And you graduated in three and a half years? That's yes, sir. impressive. Appreciate Very it. Impressive. Thank you. All right. Uh, 405-351-3303. Wait, I almost gave that guy's phone number out. Old man has no idea what I'm doing right right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. Porter, Mos- Porter Moser ain't mule shoe because close ain't good enough. They, he did say that. Yes, yes, he did. Let's face it. New stadium or not, Oklahoma basketball fans are fair weather at best. Reason why nobody wants to come to the games is style of play. Nobody likes this type of basketball. You know what? But there were some empty seats during the Billy days, too. I mean, the crowds were better then. Here's another thing. Again, if you're playing. The Buddy Heald days, too. Yeah, if you're playing this style of play and you're winning and you're top five, top ten in the country, that style of play, it's not like they're playing four corners Dean Smith back in the the 70s or anything. I I remember a lot of games with Kelvin Sampson teams that that arena was at capacity, too. So let's not act like style of play is the sole factor here. I think, again, the Lloyd Noble Center, pardon my French, it sucks. It's a horrible arena. It's way outdated. It was a multi-purpose arena. It was built for concerts and everything else. It wasn't specifically built for basketball. Highway 9 is the worst highway in the United States. It's a nightmare to get in and out of. It's off campus. That's, that's that is a very big statement to make. So I, I, I'm not willing to go that far, but it I, is very difficult to get in and out off of. Highway I despise 9. Highway Nine. They I need to say. bring back Top Dog. Top, top Dog. Top, they have yes. brought back Top Dog. Oh, they have. Uh, yes. Uh, Full time. Been, yes. Well, what was that? Was that two and a half years ago? Now two and a half years ago. Um, I think you yeah. were busy playing football, yeah, man, yeah, at the yeah. time. But I yeah. mean, really involved. We top weren't dog. injured or everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now I don't know that Top Dog's at every single basketball game, oh. but they well, have is Top Dog like yeah, the top, fans. He just yeah, shows up for the yeah, big games yeah, now. Yeah, is that yeah, it? Oh man, complains. Top Dog was there last night. I do remember that. Does Top Dog complain about the concession lines and the highway? Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe that's where he is the other half of the games. I don't see him. He's way in the concession line. Well, you know, it's been, look, I've been a Normanite for a long time, way back, uh, 63, established right here in 1963. And I can remember going to the game to, at the field house. And again, the field house, I remember first game I saw, Dean Blevins played for OU, by the way, that night. They played South Carolina. South Carolina was a really good basketball school at the time. And they were like number six in the country, and they beat uh, South Carolina that night. But, again, it wasn't at full capacity, and that was the old field house. It was a good crowd. 
Um, but it's it's just always been like this. I think we can keep talking about this. Um, and again, it's basically you better have an absolute superstar or a team in the top ten. Um, and if you know big games, and you'll have a good crowd there, maybe a sellout crowd. Other than that, it's going to be a challenge. I think a lo- another part of this is Jordan. You, see, you grew, you were, uh, you're a youngster. You've been in the era where, man, you've got everything. You can watch every game on TV. We had like the uh, the college basketball game of the week on NBC with uh, Dick Enberg, Billy Packer, and Al McGuire. And we had like one baseball game before the Superstations came in with like TBS for the Braves and WGN for the Cubs. There was no watching on – obviously, you didn't have the technology. Right. But so nowadays, man, you can watch any game from the comfort of your home on a big screen setup. And you've got all these streaming shows. I mean, the, the, I think the battle for the entertainment dollar right now is very difficult. It's really difficult. And OU football, again, that's an event. You build your whole weekend around that, at least your whole Saturday around that. Right. So it's a challenge, man, for Joe C., everybody in marketing. I'm sure they're trying everything. they got smart people over there. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, and cost of living is as high as it's ever been right now, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that ha- people have to think about as well. And I have to acknowledge, and the most cost-effective game that OU has had this year for men's basketball was that Texas game. Which Four was tickets the, for 20 bucks. That's right? right, which was the most highly attended game that yeah. OU's had so far this year, too. So Yeah, you got to keep doing more stuff like that. I know, you know, the economics of it don't look very good over there, but you probably have to keep doing some of that stuff. And, you know, the other thing that's entered the equation, obviously, over the last decade is Thunder basketball because that is an event. Right. That is, I mean, I know you get red panda at OU and you get some halftime acts at OU, but that is NBA basketball. They've got a whole team that they market everything. It's a fun atmosphere. I know it's crazy now with, you know, hey, let's go see LeBron play the Thunder tonight. Oh, wait a minute, LeBron's not playing tonight. But you still have restaurants all around there. There's a lot of activities around the arena. Uh, So maybe, you know, some of that entertainment budget, if you want to go to a basketball game, is going to the Oklahoma City Thunder rather than OU or OSU in some cases, too. So it's just uh, there's so much competition for the entertainment dollar right now, you know. Yeah, and and OU football ticket prices are as high as they've ever been, too. That's the other factor, I'm sure, that comes into the equation for some people. Some people that are season ticket holders for OU football, though, they do get – a little bit of grace when it comes to the price on men's basketball, women's basketball too. So uh, Thunder, I think, does play a factor, but I think it's also a convenient excuse for a lot of people because it struggled at OU for a while. Like you said, going back to the 70s and in, in McCaslin. So it's not some new problem that has come along with the – Seattle Supersonics moving to Oklahoma City, right? Yeah. No, this is and, something and that's again, been around for a while. I still, I think that's a small part of it, yeah. but not a significant it's, factor. There's, as we've pointed out, there's lots of many factors that add up to this equation of it being a very persistent, consistent problem for OU basketball. Yeah, and look, I can remember, man, my senior year in college in this studio, we were doing shows and. Uh, we were wondering why the attendance wasn't better at Oklahoma basketball games, even during the, the early days, you know, the Billy Tubbs era. It's been a question that's been out there for a long time. So we shall see. Okay. Uh, by the way, again, the Sooners, all they have up next 
on their schedule. They have to go to Lubbock Saturday night. They have to go to Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, that will be a game next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. So they have all these Big Ten teams or all these Big 12 teams left in their schedule. What am I thinking? All these Big 12 games, none of them are easy. They're, they're, like I said, there's no gimme putt. I mean, no. if you're looking at the league right now, OU is the gimme putt in the conference, starting out 0-2. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, kind of got jobbed at Kansas, and they beat West Virginia, but there are no easy games. And then they have one other game at a conference, one other game at a conference against number seven Alabama mm. in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. <laughs> the, uh, the scheduling gods have not been kind. It's going to be fun the rest of the year. Uh, all we can ask is OU fans try to show up. That's that's the only thing that we can do. Yeah. All right, thanks to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Again, that number, 405-579-3113. Jordan Evans is in with us. We've got Cade McFarland coming up at 135, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Let's break and come back, talk more Sooner football up next here on The Ref. All right, we're back for hour number two. And once again, we are talking with... Former Sooner Jordan Evans, former Cincinnati Bengal. He's going to be playing for the Seattle Sea Dragons of the XFL. Uh, we'll begin camp with them coming up this weekend. Uh, this hour, by the way, uh, brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, that's what you need to remember. Exit 72, they've got great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles they get the best selection out there at the seth wadley auto group and they've got the great guarantee oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you uh we did get we are getting even better news it seems like about damar hamlin that you know he's responsive now uh neurologically intact which is huge because we thought initially they performed at CPR on him, on him, you know, during the game on the field. Mm-hmm. And then they also did it when he got to the hospital uh, in Cincinnati. His lungs are apparently healing well. So we're getting good news on DeMar Hamlin, which is big. Um, I wanted to talk to you about um, the most significant injury you saw while you were playing. And you were there for a night that a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible, too. And that was the Ryan Shazier right. game. Yeah, Monday Night Football, my rookie year, uh, that was the night – that was considered one of the most violent, you know, modern-era games because that was the game Ryan Shazier made the tackle and, you know, he, he doesn't walk the same no more. He hasn't played ever since. Uh, Vontez Burford got knocked out that game from one of Juju Smith's hits. And then um, one of our safeties hit Antonio Brown, something crazy in the end zone. So it was a very violent game, but watching the Shazier hit – it was it was sad because you see how he is now and he was at the top of his game and I mean a routine tackle hit a hit a hit a receiver who was his name was Josh Malone just a tall kind of lanky guy so it mm-hmm. wasn't like it was a crazy hit just tackled wrong and I can't remember the exact diagnostics of his neck but he broke something in his vertebrae or something and and now he doesn't move like he used to was there uh, obviously the other night they made the absolute 100 percent right call of not even thinking about trying to play now there was talk about the nfl said five you know yeah. none of that's ever been proven the nfl spokesperson said no 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 uh zach taylor uh you know also i think uh he's handled it so well and in, in the situation that that he's been in i think man what, what a what a big time coach too um what a great job Sherwood Taylor, former Sooner, did with him because he's big time. But that night, what was it like to 
have to think about, man, we got to keep playing this game too. Emotionally, yeah. how difficult was that? Yeah, it wasn't as severe as that because right. obviously there was no CPR. I mean, I think they got him up pretty well and, mm-hmm. and they kind of got off. So I don't think we at that time knew exactly. But anytime a stretcher gets pulled out, you're ob- there's some shock there. And you always want the best for them. You always want to see that thumbs up because it means it's okay. And I really don't recall him doing that. So there was some like emotions like, man, I hope he's all right. You know, because it is more than a game. We all want to be able to walk away and be able to walk with our kids and remember things and, you know, live a life outside of football and be healthy. So, but I don't, we got right back to the game and kind of had to keep playing. And so, you know, it was kind of surreal and not in a good way because you don't ever want to see that. Yeah. What do you think about uh, the impact of playing football? CTE, obviously, uh, over the last you know, decade now, it seems like we're thinking more about player safety than ever, targeting and all of that stuff, paying closer attention to that, teaching kids how to tackle the right way uh, from an early age. Do you think we're making some really good progress there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the game is a beautiful game. I think it helps out in so many areas. And yeah, it is a violent and can be a dangerous game. And so people need to understand that when they are at a young age, when I go and see little league teams, it's not about at that age, it should not be about winning who's the championship. It should yeah. be about developmental football. Teach them how to tackle properly, how to use their hands, how to keep their head up, and all those things because you want them to be able to play because it got my scholarship paid for. It's, pay, it's taking care of me financially. I can help family out in here and things. So it's a beautiful thing, but you got to be able to do it safe. Yeah. Well, I can remember uh, this when I, was when I was working in Wichita Falls mm-hmm. uh, in TV at the time, and Earl Campbell came to town for an event. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the dude's got a cane. He can barely get around. Now, that was a different game back then. Right. All you have to do, look at the uh, highlights. Uh, you know, go to YouTube and go to Earl Campbell versus Jack Tatum or Earl Campbell, you know, flattens Isaiah Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were a lot more headhunters back then because there was no targeting. Exactly. Right? You might get a personal foul here and there, but it was a tough game, and Earl Campbell might carry the ball 35 times. Right. You know, and I just remember Earl Campbell's got a cane, and, man, he looks like he can barely sit down. He has to ride around in a golf cart all the time. So we're looking at, you know, I think uh, like we're moving in a very positive direction. Yeah, Because we all love that. football. and we never want to see flag football. Football is a, a hitting sport, but we just have to be careful the way we're going about it. Now, you were talking about – yesterday we talked about um, your uh, relationship. Joe Mixon's one of your best friends. Joe Mixon, controversial figure at OU. And we talked about when he was drafted by the Bengals. Man, the Bengals fans were upset. Yeah, Daryl Stingley, true sooner. But um, then they're like, man, really? We're going to draft this kid. And he has become a fan favorite there and a great football player. And plus, you got Samaj there, too. Right. Talk about both of those guys. Um, you know, they're different personality wise. I love to see Samaj making a big impact mm-hmm. now as well. Yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to see. I was close with Samaj as well in college. And, you know, he went to Washington first and then he came over from Washington with us. I think it was 2019 was his first season with mm-hmm. us with the Bengals. And so seeing that one two punch again, it just gives you, you know, flashback memories of college, which is. It was fun to see because, you know, they were so fun at the uh, college level and now they're doing it again at NFL level. And I know Joe and Samaj both appreciate that they're like that as well. And a cool thing, too, and even though his his career got cut short, at one point we had Joe in the uh, in the running back room, Samaj and Rodney Anderson. Yeah. So that was pretty unique. You talk about a guy who had horrible luck with mm-hmm. injuries. Yeah. Rodney Anderson. Right. I mean, gee, many Christmas. It seems like every time, you know, he would get on a roll – 
And think about how good he was in that Rose Bowl matchup, too. I mean, yeah. he has pretty good running backs. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift was a third, the third running back for Georgia. Right. That was a heck of a game, and uh, Rodney Anderson was as good as any back on that field that day. Uh, you were saying one of the reasons why, because we always hear culture, and I think sometimes, like, you know, every coach preaches culture, and, uh, you know, it's a big buzzword. Uh, everybody wants a great culture, but it doesn't always happen. But you think one of the reasons why the Bengals are where they are, and they've got great talent. Uh, Joe, Joe Burrow was a great pick and appears to be a great leader. But you were saying the chemistry was real in that locker room. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like when you hear the culture word, uh, you know, like I said, some of your average fans are like, okay, whatever. And and I know that they don't think, well, you know, you just got to buy every player and the culture will just happen. No. no, nobody thinks that. But how real is that? And is the coach responsible? Is it more the locker room? Is it just a combination? It is a combination, but it should be more on the players. The coach can come in and talk about what he wants, but it's the player's job to implement that. And when I was with the Bengals, you know, my first four years there, it was not good. You know, we were not – we did not win in the playoffs and none of that. Well, when Zach Taylor came in, he did have an, a mindset of where he wanted to be. And some of those younger players, and I'll call out Sam Hubbard specifically, was a guy that really believed in it and implemented it, and it just became contagious. And by the fifth year I was there, the last season, the entire locker room was like one organism basically – and they all had the same mindset, same goal, and that's why you saw the success they had last year, and that's why you're seeing it continue this year. You know, because Brent talks about, you know, we're doing the right things, and, you know, you have some of the what we call the boomer doomers out there. I don't want to hear about culture anymore mm-hmm. or soul missions. I want wins, you know. But it takes time. It takes time. But and BV doing what he's doing, he's understanding that not only does he want wins on the field, he wants wins off the field. So if somebody is saying that they don't want to hear that and they're more concerned about a win on the field, then they don't understand that, it's more than that. so Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the one thing I was impressed with, and, you know, the Cheez-It Bowl for the Cheez-It Bowl was a really good game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Sooners were shorthanded in that game. I mean, you, you've got your starting left tackles out. Then you find out Chris Murray's out. They had a patchwork offensive line. Jalen Redman was out. We found out Marcus Major wasn't going to play. They were really shorthanded, and Florida State had a good season. Now, this, look, this isn't a – Jameis Winston, Charlie Ward, Chris Winkie, Florida State team, but it's a good team. Right. Uh, and they had the more talented roster, particularly with, with the, the guys. With nobody you had sitting out, out basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nobody opted out of any yeah. significance for Florida State. And yet that Oklahoma team probably should have won that football Should've game. Won. Does, doesn't that tell you a lot about the culture? Yeah, it does. It shows that you're competitive. And, and being able to nobody gave up, and right, nobody exactly. thought, you know what, uh, we're in the freaking cheese at bowl and we're Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They played they played their guts out, I thought. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, and I think the problem for OU has been, uh, and for so long we talk about Sooner Magic, OU's always been able to make the big play right? You know, at the right time. And this team had opportunities and just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Does that, you know, I don't think any of that is luck. It's, it's you know, the, the cliche is luck is when preparation meets opportunity. But – that seemed to be the most frustrating thing with this team because they were really close in so many of those games that could have gone their way. Yeah. One of the things that you saw, I think, pop up all year on the offense and defense side is, you know, you have to make those 50-50 plays. Um, and I felt like we fell short on that at times. And, you know, we always say the little cliche sooner magic, but, you know, there's, it shouldn't be relied on magic. You know what I'm saying? It's relied on 
you know, what those kids can do and how right. good they are. And, you know, we just kind of came up short in those areas. What'd you think of what Eric Gray did this year? I thought he was spectacular. Yeah, he was. He uh, he came onto the scene. He was here last year and yeah. had a decent. And then this year is just like almost every week he got better, better, and better, and kind of almost put the offense on his back at times. And it was kind of the jump start for a lot of things. So I'm actually very excited to see his transition into what's to come for him. Yeah, he looks he looks like he has a future in the NFL. I'm not saying he's going to be a future back, but he's going to play in the league. He can catch the ball. What I liked about Eric Gray this year. The previous year, it seemed like in a lot of those one-on-one situations, he would he would be stopped. Mm-hmm. And this year, he developed a couple new moves, and he kept going. He was running hard. He got a little bit stronger. We all know he can catch the football. He he made himself some money, no, no doubt, with the year that he had. And I would give that to DeMarco Murray with player development. DeMarco Murray, I remember at first, can he recruit? Can he coach? You know, and I think he's proven on both both ends that, yes, yes, he can emphatically. All right, break time. Jordan Evans in with us, former Sooner linebacker. We have Cade McFarland on the way at 135. we got a lot more to talk about. We will get back to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll do that next here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we are back. Little uh, Portugal the man right there. We've got the man in the studio today, Jordan Evans, former Sooner linebacker. Five years in the NFL with the Bengals, trying to work his way back there. Going to be playing in the XFL with the Seattle Sea Dragons, headed off to camp coming up uh, shortly this weekend. From the 918 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, somebody wants to know about your favorite Sooner, like three favorite Sooner linebackers growing up. Teddy. I was a Travis Lewis fan. Mm-hmm. Um, did Travis? Where did Tra- did Travis Lewis play in Cincinnati for a while? Where it was did he a Detroit? Detroit. Okay, Detroit. And then Curtis Lofton was a third. Curtis Lofton was a monster too. Curtis Lofton, an absolute monster, uh, no doubt about it. Um, would you say uh, the most difficult part for a linebacker is trying to cover receivers now because there's so many receivers on every play? Is that the the hardest part for you? Yeah, that's tough, especially because offensively they do that on purpose. They try to get the mismatch. Right. And then you're next to know you're lined up against a guy like Tyreek Hill, and it's not fair at all. That's always hard. And then I'm going to tell you right now, the offensive linemen in the league, they are big, strong, and they can move. So you got guys like Trent Williams and Lane Johnson who are Mm -hmm. athletic and can get downhill and they can hit you as hard as they want. That is actually very, very tough as well. No doubt. All right. Um, once again, I was talking to you during the break, and I thought, let's talk about players when you got to OU that you really looked up to, that you learned from, that – and, you know, you seem like the kind of guy that probably liked just about every teammate you had. Mm-hmm. But can you single some out that, that really kind of showed you the way and you really respected? Yeah, you can uh... – there's a few guys in different areas probably in, in the walks of college. I mean, some guys are how you see yourself you're supposed to be in the classroom. Uh, Aaron Franklin was a very smart guy. You guys in the workouts, you know, Eric Stryker worked hard. Trevor Knight worked really hard. Uh, Sterling worked really hard. But there's one person in particular that whenever you ask me that question, that makes me think of, and it's Frank Shannon. And I know Frank Shannon had, some controver- had a controversial thing here, but my sophomore year he got expelled, mm-hmm. and so I got to start. Junior year, he comes back, and it's a linebacker battle between me and him for the starting spot at the mic position, basically. I beat him out. Um, and you would think that after what happened to him, 
which was wrong. And then him losing his job to me when he was a top linebacker in the Big 12 at the time, that he would have a bad attitude. And he was one of the first guys that would congratulate me off the field and cheer with me on my big plays and help me out when I needed it. And that just said a lot to me about who he is, about his heart. And that always stuck out to me. And I realized that no matter your circumstances in the league, when I'm not playing, I should never be ill will towards nobody, but always support and show love. What is the game that you most remember as a Sooner? The game that stands out? If you, uh, you know, it can be a game that was great for you personally or just a great victory. Are there a couple of them or is there one you go right to? There's a couple for sure, but, you know, probably I can think of one each year freshman year, Texas Tech. Um, my junior year, the TCU game, all the OU Texas game. But senior year is the Kansas game right after the Texas Tech game, just because that's just when I turn things around for myself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you talked about that a little bit yesterday. Speaking of TCU, how has this TCU team done it? I mean, we all knew uh, that this team, man, all right, this team's good, this team's good, and yet I don't think any of us thought, okay, they're good. They were picked seventh in the conference. Right. Seventh in the conference, and they're playing for a national championship on Monday. What do you see uh, out of this TCU team? that has them where they are. Yeah, they're actually a full-rounded team. I mean, they have a good quarterback who was, you know, getting some Heisman attention. Second behind Caleb. Right. They have a good running back duo. I know hopefully the Miller guy gets to play. Right. And then defensively, they they play ball. I mean, when I watched them play against OU, even though I know Dylan got knocked out, when I watched that game, I mean, they just looked complete early on, and they just kept building off of it. And then when they come to those close games, they were always able to pull through. And that's very vital, especially when it comes to the college football playoffs. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what do you think? Um, would you take them over Georgia? Are you leaning towards Georgia? How do you yeah. see that one going? If I had to bet money, I'd probably put it on Georgia. Mm -hmm. But I'm rooting for TCU. Yeah. Well, my wife doesn't like TCU because she, she says they're dirty and they just knock out quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty bad. Jamoy Hodges hit on Dylan Gabriel was pretty nasty. It was. Um, did you ever get uh, called for? I mean, obviously, you're just about everybody's going to be called for targeting. Is there one hit you think that you made that looked really bad? That you're like, yeah, I don't know, you know, that because look, it's a physical game, man. Right. I mean. If you can knock out the opposing team's quarterback and do it legally, you know, that's an advantage. Yeah. No, that's funny you asked that because I got ejected. My sophomore year, first start, they were playing Law Tech. Uh, the quarterback is running scramble. He tries, to, he tries to slide the last second. I already launched, and I hit him. He kind of fumbled. I'm celebrating. Next note, a flag comes near me, and I got ejected. So I, I, I've been a first firsthand uh, offense against that, and I'm not. I'm not too big of a fan of the targeting call. At times, yes, like the one in Gabriel was terrible. Mm -hmm. Mine wasn't. So, well, and it, it's hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. The quarterback, you know, the angle of your attack changes when somebody goes to the ground or goes into a slide. Um, a lot of times, you just can't can't help it. Right, and you know? they try to always go back and play it in slow motion. And I'm like, the game isn't played in slow motion. Right. Yeah. So when I launched, how am I supposed to mid air stop? You know, I'm not Superman. I can't do that. If I launch and dude gets down late, that at that time isn't the quarterback. Well, at least you didn't do the snow angels. Uh, oh, deal. yeah. Like, no. um, that was pretty bad. Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, Thibodeau. It was <laughs> – the guy's laid out and he's right. doing snow angels. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully in his defense, maybe he didn't know, he didn't but know, I don't but know. Man, yeah, you that know, was one a, of that stuff. Right. <laughs> that was like – 
That was one of the worst. All right, um, let's get some texts in. Can you ask Jordan to talk about the defense he played at OU compared to BB's now? What does he think of the three-man front? And uh, that is so complex and taking players' time to learn. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, we played a little bit of a three-man three, three, three man front at OU. We had a 3-4, and we ran a stacked defense. So you just have to have those guys up at the front, and we call them just they, they got to be dogs. They got to be able to take on the double teams. They got to be able to play front side, back side, A-gap, and let the linebackers run freely. So uh, when he gets those guys to know how to play it up front and do so, watch how the production of the, of the linebackers in the secondary just goes up. What was the issue you saw? Like, was it setting the edge or ga- all of it or what? I mean, uh, in each every game you'll find something that they struggled in. Um, setting edges, hitting the right gaps, you know, learning how to take on double teams, seeing the play. You know, it's just little stuff like that that I think happens with a new a new uh, defensive scheme that coming in and with young players in that scheme. So, you know, I don't think people should be worried about nothing until maybe after next year, if it's still the same. There you go. From the nine one a Jordan, who is the best offensive player you've ever played against? Uh, college. Boykin. Boykin and Deshaun Watson were really, really good. Okay. And then league wise, I mean, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, college was Mahomes as well, but I'm going to separate the two. There you go. All right, uh, also from the 918, with the five years in the NFL and the contacts you made during that time, make it helpful for you getting back into the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's kind of what happened with the Hazard situation, knowing me and bringing me back to the XFL. And ultimately, it's based on your own performance and play. So hopefully I did well enough for teams will want to watch me in this XFL and get me right back to it. What is the dirtiest team or game you ever played in? Oh, man, dirtiest? I I don't know if I can just think off the top of my head of a team that was just overly dirty. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have an answer for that one. I can't think of a team. Hey, guys, do you think nowadays with the current rules that they could call targeting on a back like Larry Zonka? <laughs> I don't know. If, Jordan probably doesn't remember Larry Zonka, but he was the Miami Dolphins running back who had that – he actually had the nose bar mm-hmm. because he got his uh, – and it wasn't like the T-bar the that came down like Steve Owens wore back in the day, but that little nose protector because he got his nose broken so many times. I don't know. It's a very good question, but I'm telling you, back, back in the day, like I said, we talked about it the other day, if you were a receiver going over the middle, you were going to get laid out. Mm-hmm. I mean, on most of the – like with the Raiders secondary, it, it, the game has changed a lot. We are, Ronnie Lott, too. I mean, yeah. Oh, uh, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott was such a badass that – what? remember he had the thumb injury? Cut his cut his uh, finger off yeah. so he could keep playing. Yeah. I mean, that, that is – that's sacrifice right, right there. Ronnie Lott, no doubt about it. Was there an NFL team that you followed the most growing, growing up? Growing up was the – I was the Cowboys – and then I follow certain players. I was a huge, huge so even from college days, Mike Vick fan. Michael Vick, man. How about when he came back, mm-hmm. you know, and had that year with the Eagles too? Right. Yeah, no. Nah, I was I was a big Mike Vick fan. Unbelievable. He was a cheat code on yes. Madden. It was unfair <laughs> if you got Michael Vick mm-hmm. on Madden. So he was the Bo Jackson of Techmo Bowl from back in Absolutely. the day. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. About oh four, oh five. When he was with the Falcons too, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a done deal. Yeah. I heard the Madden games are really bad now. I don't even have video games. I played Madden for the first time, a friend brought a, brought the game system over. And it just I will I refuse to play it. Now I, you were never a video game guy at all, or I mean I had them before, yeah. and I usually did it for friends, but 
I haven't had a game system probably in the past couple of years. See, this makes me feel really bad because here I'm a 60-year-old old man and I'm still playing. It's sad. <laughs> I feel like my maturity level is not very mature. No, that's just, you know, that's what you enjoy to do in your uh, free time. There you go. Thank you. Hey, now you, you know what point. Bob Dylan said, right, Steely? Stay forever young. So you're staying young at heart at least. So. Ah, there you go. All right. Well, I like Bob Dylan, so whatever Bob Dylan says, you know, I agree with. All right, uh, let's take a break right here. We're coming back to the Riverwind Casino Hotline. We're going to be joined by uh, KJRH uh, TV Sports Director Cade McFarland from Tulsa. We'll talk about what's going on. I uh, want to talk, obviously, Sooner football, but he's got a lot of insight into what's happening at Oklahoma State. And the Titanic may be heading to the iceberg there, all right? Women and children first. It's not looking good. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, here we go. Cade McFarland coming up here in a minute. Are we having an issue? Okay. Hopefully we'll have Caden here in a minute. I know last last week we tried to get a hold of him, and uh, he couldn't hear for some reason. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Jordan Evans back with us for, uh, well, he's with us for about another uh, 25 minutes. Uh, what do you think of the radio gig? You like to do something like this in the off season? Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. It's fun. I enjoy yeah. talking sports. Absolutely. All right. Uh, which player, uh, Angry Ronnie wants to know, has hit you the hardest? Which player hit you the hardest in uh, in your football career? The hardest hit? I don't even know the name of the player. I just remember OU Texas my freshman year. We're running, I'm running out on kickoff, and they ran the reverse on us, and I got cracked back on, and – I couldn't breathe. I went to the sideline, lost my breath. And I remember at the end of that game, I go back to my phone. My dad texts me, welcome to OU Texas. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, let's uh, jump on the uh, Riverwind Casino hotline. No, we're not yet. Okay. We may uh, – yeah, we can move that to tomorrow if we're having some technical issues. Um, Oklahoma, Texas, I mean, that week is different. Um Obviously, the atmosphere is different. Uh, just talk us through what that week is like, and then again, coming down the ramp compared to any other environment you've been in. It's such a huge game. I mean, they kind of some some guys that have never even known about OU Texas. When they come to OU, they automatically just hate Texas because it's just embedded into it. The whole week prior up is building up to it. You know, you're playing their stupid fight song during practice because you got to get used to hearing it. And then when you go in that tunnel, I mean, our locker rooms are right across from each other. So there's some chirping going on. You go out that tunnel and you hear the boos on one side, you hear the cheers on the others. And it's just really good because if you win, you get to stay at the fair a little bit longer, go get you a Fletcher's Corn Dog, chill out a little bit, and have a good time. So I, I love OU Texas weekend. Now, what was the real story on the Mike Stoops Curtis Lofton deal? Do we I know? I don't know about that. Well, it was part of the – the rumor was there was a big blow-up in the locker room at halftime and all that stuff. Like recently? No, this or when was – when he played? That was it was Mike's last year, right? With Curtis Lofton? No, 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 no. Uh, it was uh, – Curtis Bolton. Curtis Bolton. Oh, okay. Curtis Bolton. Okay. Curtis Bolton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one I don't know. I think yeah. I just heard that, like – I mean, if you know Buzzy, and shout-out to Buzzy. He's with the Raiders right now. His, his NFL career has been a great story, but – He's a very pretty animated, emotional guy, and I think they just probably got into it. And I think I think I heard that Buzzy just stepped out the locker room and had a cool down. Nothing is serious. I think it got more blown out from outside views because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that 
Football is very emotional. Yeah, the, the, they probably don't understand the dynamic of right. what happens in that locker room every week. Exactly. I mean, I've had some very big head-on, head-on run-ins with Mike, and I even went and told Mike, hey, man, I apologize for w- anything I've done. He said, no, nah, man, you're good. I respect it. That's just how it is. Football is very emotional. I've had those in the league where I've had to go upstairs and shake Zach Taylor's hand and apologize. He said, no, nah, you're good. Emotions is fine. So a lot of people outside looking in might not understand that, but it wasn't that big. How would you describe Zach Taylor as a coach? He's very mild-mannered. He's definitely an offensive mindset kind of guy. But he's kind of what the league's looking for, that young, talented group of of coaches that kind of grew up in the system and able to implement that. So he's very, uh, you know, I think he's a very chill, kind of mild-mannered kind of guy that knows what to say when he needs to say it. All right, from the 806, see if Jordan will tell us the worst fan base he ever played in front of. As in, like, uh, coming after you, just. Well, West Virginia. Really? Yeah. Worse, than, worse than Tech? Tech was bad. They just want to throw tortillas the whole time. Yeah. West Virginia would try to say whatever they could. They had, like, a little, like, thing online where they used to do, like, pictures of players and then put a lookalike with them and try to clown the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think they allowed probably like alcohol or something at the stadium because they're just berated so the whole time. moonshine, man. Yeah, West Virginia fans, they are on go from five minutes before kickoff to after the game. Uh, you're pretty close to the fans in Stillwater. What's that, that like? I mean, it, they're right on top of you. Yeah, right? the little thing when they hit the wall, that's kind of cool. But the paddle people. My experiences at OSU was we last time I played there we blew them out, and <laughs> <laughs> so their fans was pretty quiet. <laughs> all right, yeah, we're having an issue getting a hold of Caden today. That's all right. He, he made something may have come up. I, uh, it looks like the right number, so believe me, Caden would be answering if he if he could. Okay, so we may uh, we can try him tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, we can try him tomorrow. We can try try him tomorrow. Uh, I always thought the uh, the Lubbock fans. The, the two worst fan bases, and you obviously know better because you played there, but LSU, subhuman people. I mean, and then Lubbock. But you're saying West Virginia, in your opinion, is worse than Lubbock. Yeah, Lubbock, they were they were a good fan base, I'm sure, towards the Texas Tech players. But when it came to, like, what I'm hearing and how people are reacting, that game, for sure, I never played at LSU. But the game at Tennessee – Mm-hmm. My junior year, that was a very, very loud crowd. So loud that Dominic Alexander next to me is yelling the call, and I could not hear him. Yeah, so Neil Stadium, cool. man, they a hundred thousand plus. You get the Vol Navy there. Was that other than uh, OU Texas? You think that was the coolest environment you oh, played? Oh, for in? sure, hands down. I always think about that game, and that was an unbelievable comeback. Too. Yes, sir. I mean uh, Baker and Sterling Shepard, uh, just a just a crazy game. All right, what Chris? Beard's final day of pay is today, per the termination letter that UT sent his lawyer. Chris Beard has been fired for cause. It's according to Kirk Bowles of the Austin American Statesman and on Twitter. I, yeah, so. Kirk Bowles. I, I think Kirk Bowles knows what he's talking about. So Chris Beard out as the uh, head coach, uh, basketball coach at the University of Texas. Yeah, I mean, that's. Not good, man. Not good. The minute you saw that, and I know the fiance was kind of backtracking, and you know, oh, I never expected, you know, that I, this didn't happen or that didn't happen. It brought a lot of bad attention on the University of Texas, and uh, Chris Beard is out of the job as the Longhorns head coach, which which does not surprise me. Um, who was your 
best friend that you didn't play with in the NFL? Somebody asking you on the text line. But you didn't play with in college. Yeah, you didn't play with. Yeah. So not like Joe, like yeah, you mentioned like, yesterday, is one of your best friends. But somebody that you didn't meet in college that you play with in the NFL. Is yeah, one of your uh, best Hardy Nickerson. Cal linebacker, yes, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, his dad was Hardy Nickerson, played with some like, almost 20 years in the league maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, Hardy played at uh, – we, we went to the Bengals together. Me and him got real, real close. So um, did his son play at Cal too? Uh, yes, sir. He played okay. at Cal, and then he did a grad transfer to – Illinois because his dad was coaching there and he did his last last year there and then he got picked up so me and him were real close to this day she was actually his birthday today so huh uh but him and then uh there's some other guys that I got real close with but off rip it'd be him definitely a standout game from Jordan was the primetime snowy West Virginia game big pick six and a forced fumble yes sir and pulled my hamstring on that pick six so I didn't get to play the rest of the game but yeah that was that was a fun game yeah the uh Oh, you always found a way at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. seemed like till this year, of course. But, right, right. You know, um, what was it like playing in in a snow? Was that the only snow game you ever played in? Uh, yes, sir. The 2015 o- Oklahoma State game was the ice game, but right. snow. We it was freezing cold that game. We went inside to the locker room, come back out. It's like almost like a blizzard. Like I, I mean, there's some guys that have some pictures from that game of like the initial kickoff, and it was just coming down. So it was a lot of fun. And we were beating them pretty bad at the time. They kind of came back at the end, but Samaje had a great game. game. Didn't Didi Westbrook had a Didi had that run? run. Joe had a great game. Uh, Samaje went off. It was it was it was fun because we went out there and whooped them. Okay, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Tell Jordan West Virginia absolutely has alcohol at the stadium and keeps you warm. Well, yeah. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> you never had moonshine, have you? No, sir. You not drink, period? I've actually never drank. Uh, good for you. That's a good move. Cause it's I a believe, smart move. Yes, it is. You know, um, usually when you the end result is good decisions, something equals good decisions, alcohol usually is not one of the things that equals good decisions. Right. So, living pure. I, I wish I could say that because I've made some idiotic idiotic decisions in my past and some of that's been involved from time to time long time ago though all right uh 405-651-3439 we'll get to as many texts as we can before we get out of here mike steely along with jordan evans former sooner linebacker back with us again one more segment to go the drake drake dyken running the show for us tomorrow i'm happy to be out at riverwind casino again for another friday remote be right back here on the ref all right we are back Closing out the program today, we got Jordan Evans with us. Want to tell you about our friends at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. They are. Over 2,800 electronic games, all of your favorite table games out at Riverwind as well. World-class poker room, best bars, best dining, Coupe Ale House Bar right there in the middle of the gaming floor. You have the uh, River Buffet with a steak night on Friday night, seafood night Saturday, great brunch on Sunday, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant has a great little pub menu. Won't miss the game there. Seasons Food Court is great. They've got tremendous promotions right now. It is the showdown in the desert promotion now through the 13th, the 13th of this month. Get out there, play with your Riverwind wild card on specific gaming machines, okay, that say showdown in the desert. Because if you finish in the top five points-wise on your wild card, 
then you are going to win one of five trips to the Super Bowl out in the Phoenix area. Coming up, you'll get game tickets, obviously. You'll get uh, airfare, ground transportation, uh, you know, accommodations, even $1,000 in spending money from our friends at Riverwind Casino. All you have to do is go out and play. Go out and play and try and rack up as many points on your wild card as possible. Texas fired the basketball coach. Yes, we talked about that last segment. Yes. With cause, you. by the way. That's the important part of that. So, yes, I, no you, buyout involved with that. Yeah, I and, mean, Chris Beard did it. He, it was just really which, bad, stupid thing. Yeah, which yeah. does not spell well for how that legal situation outside of him being the Texas basketball coach is going to go for him as well. Not usually a good signal. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I think uh, that uh, that would hold up, in my opinion. So, yeah, fired him with cause, which means no payout whatsoever for Chris Beard. Not not a good situation. But again, thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino. They are simply the best. Get online Riverwind.com. Check out all the promotions. My man Justin over there and the marketing team—they're unbelievable, and they they truly are the best. Okay, um, if Joe and Samaje came back. Or if they made the decision to come back the next year, do you think the Sooners win the Natty from the nine hundred one? That'd have been yes. that seventh. Yeah, yes. I mean they would have been. Yes, they'd have which been ugly. we talked about how good Rodney Anderson was that right. year too. Though I mean, it's not like they didn't have anybody at tailback. Mm, That's yeah. the other thing. Now they definitely don't lose to Iowa State. I don't think. No, for sure. They. I mean, you probably remember this, Jordan. The running back situation up until about the last six games was very much in flux until uh-huh. Rodney just ran away with it totally and completely. I think if Joe would have came back for his last year, I think some of the numbers that he would have hit his – because he'd have been the only featured back. you got to think he did those numbers along with Samaje off a of split. Yeah. You know, yeah. split handoff. Yeah. So realize if he was just the sole back, returning, running routes, and catch, or, and getting uh, handoffs, he would have he had some numbers for sure. That Kansas game was – it was a rainy day. Mm -hmm. It was – what do you remember about it in terms of knowing when he was getting close and all all of that? How do do you remember that unfolding? Yeah, that Kansas game, I don't even remember a play I made. All I remember is Samashe. And I just think it kind of got rumored on the sideline like, yo, hey, man, he's getting close to that single uh, record. And next thing you know it, he hit it, and, you know, we celebrated with him on the sideline, gave him a ball. So that was very special, and I was glad to be a part of that. And he seems like such a humble kid, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Joe Mixon was always the flashy one. Samaji P. Ryan, a lot more mild-mannered, both great players. You were talking about Joe. The phenomenal thing about Joe, uh, you know, is also the kind of – pass receiver he is mm-hmm. and you were saying you know during practices that there wasn't a linebacker that had a shot against him. yeah whenever we was going against Joe in one-on-ones I saw him on multiple linebackers send him one way and he was going the opposite so Joe had phenomenal routes coming out of the backfield if uh, if you ever want to ask Joe he'll tell you himself that I was the only linebacker that he wasn't covering him until one day they let him run a route and he ran a post corner as a running back, and I remember midway through the route, I just stopped. Like, hey, there's, I'm, there's no way I'm guarding this right now because Joe could run routes out, out, out of any position. Yeah, and we talked about this yesterday. Um, you know, he is, he's a huge fan favorite there. I mean, mm-hmm. you see him interacting with the fans all the time. They love him now in Cincinnati. Uh, what is Jordan's prediction for OU season next year? Um, 
Let's see here. I think we're going to go. How many games is in the regular season? 13? 12, 12. Unless you go to the, cha- the right. conference, conference championships. We're going to go, I'm saying, 9 and 3. I'm going to go 9 and 3. There you go. 9 and 3 would be progress, no doubt. By the way, I was telling you the story. This was the uh, Jamaica oh, okay. photo. I was talking about uh, my lovely wife, Shay. Huge Baker fan. She already has an L.A. Rams hoodie, mm. you know. And uh, we were going through customs at the airport of the Bahamas, and Shay goes, there's Baker and Emily. I'm like, what? And you could, I'm like, I saw him from behind walking. I'm like, are you sure that's Baker? No, it's Baker and Emily. I saw them. It's Baker and Emily. I'm like, ah, I don't think it's Baker and Emily. Sure enough, we go down to the gate, go to the food court. There's Baker and Emily. Mm-hmm. There they are. They're eating at Quiznos. So Shay sees them, and I said, Shay, no, let's let them eat. Let's just, no, I don't know. We're not going over there, please. So Shay's like, okay. And we're sitting down to eat, and she's kind of, I can see her, the the wheels are turning. And she, all, she just hands me the phone. No, we're going. <laughs> we're taking the picture. And I'm like, no, please. I said, all right. She was determined. And she loves that picture because she's a huge Baker fan. So, and Baker and Emily were great. So that was that was pretty cool. Okay, uh, so you ready to head out? Are you ready to start camp? You yes, ready sir. to go? I'm very very excited. I'm good. Get to go play some football again. Do the Seattle Sea Dragons have like uh, merch already? Do we know? I don't we, have any yet. We need, so we I need don't to, know. We, <laughs> I gotta, need, we need to get. <laughs> we got to get on that. I've had people ask me. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come out here soon. Um, Hopefully all those questions get answered here by this Sunday. I mean, Drake Dykin would look great in a Seattle Sea yeah. Dragons all, uh, uh, what, what was the age you tagged on me yesterday? 37 years old? I said Vegas had the over and under oh, 37. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, just... uh, you thought that uh, training camp was going to be tough with Seattle, but these four hours that you've done the last two days, I mean, nothing can prepare you like well, the, for the XFL like this. So. Then, I'm, then, I'm, then I'm fully prepared and equipped <laughs> and ready to go. <laughs> Well, you did a great job. You're a good uh, young man. I wish you the best. Obviously, uh, your parents did a great job. Very impressive. Heck of a football player and a uh, a classy human. So I appreciate you coming in. We've enjoyed it very much. I hope you come back. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Jordan Evans, he also did uh, some post game with us this year on The Ref, and uh, he's got a future. He's got a future after football. He wants to do this. I don't know if he wants to hang out with an old man every day. But, you know, um, he's, he's really good. And I appreciate good stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sooner fans out there. Uh, we're going to get locked in coming up next. I hope everybody has a great Thursday. Tomorrow I will be out at Riverwind Casino. Always love being out at Riverwind on Fridays. And keep in mind, get out there and keep playing with your wild card in the showdown in the desert promotion. And maybe you'll win one of the five trips they're giving away to the Super Bowl. It'll be awesome, right? Thanks again, Drake. Great job. Jordan, thank you. We'll see you guys tomorrow from Riverwind. Take care.